Hello, America. I'm Brian Hollyhan, 15-year-old conservative commentator and editor-in-chief of the Truth Gazette. Uh, today we're here with a very special guest, a guy that I have looked up to a lot in this uh, mainstream media world. You know, there's not a lot of good figures in the media these days. Not a lot of people that you can really look up to, a lot of people that you can really trust. Uh, but this guy is really one of those people that I can trust and a lot of you can as well. Uh, joining me now is host of Waters World and co-host of The Five on the Fox News channel. He's author of the new best-selling book, How I Saved the World. Joining me now is the one, the only, Mr. Jesse Waters himself. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm great, Brylan. And if I said no to you, that was a risk because <laughs> you grew up to be big and powerful and you just have a chip on your shoulder about how I canceled your show. So <laughs> I'm doing this for, for my own best interest here. <laughs> well, I think we all make good decisions on this part. So hopefully, hopefully we can become best of friends and later on down the road, maybe uh, when you're ready to retire from Fox, I can come and take over Waters World for you or something like that. If you ever need like a fill-in host, you're ready to go on vacation, you've got my email now, so you know how to get a hold of me. We'll make it work. Okay, Brylan. I'm going to send you out into the field and have you bother liberals. How's that sound? Hey, that sounds like a fun job to me. I, I love messing with some liberals, so I, I think I'd enjoy that. Good. Well, I talk about that in the book, how I used to go out and interview all these people, and that's basically my jumping off point. So I think you should get a microphone and just start hounding people to see what happens. Hey, it's, it doesn't sound like a bad idea to me, uh, but let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, you know, we've got a real, a lot of really serious stuff to cover today. You know, like how much hair gel you really use every morning, uh, how much fake tan you generally have on, uh, how your mom text really got started, and your real thoughts on being forced to work with Greg Gutfeld every day. Uh, but Jesse, in all seriousness here, uh, as I mentioned in the opening, you have a new book that just came out. Uh, your first ever book is called How I Saved the World. Uh, it's absolutely incredible, and it has already debuted on the New York Times bestsellers list as number one. So congratulations on that and on all the book's incredible success so far. Very proud of you and glad we can have you on the show today. Um, I have been reading your book, and I, uh, your story is absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, from your your first interest in politics when you discovered Rush Limbaugh uh, and became a Rush baby at an early age, uh, and then to your first job at Fox News, and later on, your start of the Waters World segment, uh, which really you know skyrocketed you and really put your your name on the map. Uh, I have a lot of questions today, but first, let's just start out with this. Uh, Jesse, you've been working at Fox News in some capacity since 2004. Why did you decide that now would be a good time to come out with this book? Well, just to clear a few things up, I've never used fake tan. <laughs> it's, it's all real. And I do have a lot of hairspray in, and you could use some hairspray. And you could use some color, so maybe we could work on that with you. But I finally had some time, and I wanted to reflect on almost 20 years at Fox. And I started writing and then the pandemic hit, so I had no excuses. There was literally <laughs> nothing else to do. And uh, it took me about a year to write the book and it's just a real a pleasure to share it with everybody. And you're right, it did go to number one, but if it had been at number two, Brylan, I would have just said the Times rigged it against me. <laughs> hey, hey, it's the liberal New York Times, so you, got, you gotta say something. I bet they were they were all upset that morning when I came into the office and saw that you were number one. They probably probably wanted to rig that a little bit, but hey, you still made it. Your coffee's still sold, and you did have that number one seat. So congratulations on that. 
Um, speaking of your book, in your book, uh, you spent a lot of time highlighting some of your famous interviews over the years, and you really have been the young male Barbara Walters with excessive hair gel. Uh, what are some of your favorite sit-down interview moments from over the years, and what advice would you give to someone younger like me who's just getting this start uh, in the field of interviewing people? Well, I wouldn't compare myself to Barbara Walters. Um, although I do love Barbara Walters, I think Mike Wallace might be a better comparison because he used to kick down doors and shove mics in people's faces. <laughs> I don't even know if you know who that is, Brylan. But uh, you do seem obsessed with the hair gel. Um, <laughs> I'm detecting a little hair envy. Maybe I can't explain it, but just some of my interviews that come to mind. I would say mostly my ambush interviews because those really had an impact. We used to go out and track down judges that gave pedophiles soft sentences. And I think at the end of that tour throughout the country, 45 out of the 50 states had passed mandatory minimum sentences for first time rape of a child. So those were some interviews that had a lot of impact that I was very proud of. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, speaking of some of your famous interviews, how a lot of Americans were first introduced to you was by your famous Man on the Street interviews that we've been talking about. Um, and, you know, that's really where you got the unique opportunity to leave the studio um, and interact directly with everyday Americans across the country and discuss what was going on in our country. And of, of, and of course, you got some pretty interesting responses uh, over the years. From people not knowing what the 4th of July means to people not being able to correctly identify the sitting president and many, many, many more hilarious segments. Um, in all honesty, a lot of people you interview who don't know what's going on are millennials and younger Americans like me. Does this lack of knowledge in our age group concern you about the lack of quality education currently being taught in our schools today? It does. Uh, very concerning. Hilarious, Tyler, <laughs> but Definitely. also extremely concerning because if you have a population that's not paying attention, they can be hoodwinked. And that's what politicians and the media and corporate America have done. While everyone's oblivious and not paying attention and distracted, they can manipulate those people into voting for people and reelecting idiots and opening the borders and creating endless wars. And that's a really dangerous situation. And it's not just the school system that's not teaching history. And I, I don't think parents are encouraging students to learn about the country and to understand civics. It really starts at home. So I'd encourage parents to really just get on that because you don't want your child to matriculate into some weasel that I ask a dumb question on the street and then have him be humiliated in front of the entire country. You don't want your son on Waters World not being able to answer questions. Well, definitely. Hey, if everyone into on the street, hopefully I can answer the answers correctly. Uh, so maybe one day we'll have to make that happen. Uh, but Jesse, you know, you're known for your humor and your show, The Five, uh, is also known for bringing lighthearted topics to very difficult issues. Uh, what do you think, why, or why do you think it's so important to bring humor into this increasingly negative news cycle that's plaguing our country? And how do you have fun while doing it? Well, news doesn't have to be boring. And a lot of people don't understand that. And that's why these shows on our competitors, if I can call them that, are not very highly rated. Because the talent that are broadcasting their opinions, they're just not interesting people. They're boring people. They don't have a personality. They don't have senses of humor. And on our network, we have a lot of people that 
show themselves. You can also share your opinions on things, but you can express your personality very freely, especially on a show that's a round table like The Five. So we don't take ourselves too seriously, uh, Gutfeld and I, and, and a lot of the other people that are doing that. And a lot of the times a humorous conservative is a real threat to the left because humor humanizes a conservative and they don't want us to be humanized. They just want us to be dehumanized so they can cancel us easily and not feel bad about it. And we'll talk about cancel culture a little bit more in a second. Uh, but, you know, you describe your book as, quote, the key to the future in a, quote, time of national distrust and despair. We've already talked about the media a little bit, but especially this past year of the constant fear propaganda being pushed by the media, there's been a lot of distrust in the media. Um, and you have to understand why. You know, your colleagues at other networks, like we talked about, uh, are seeing these repercussions of this and their ratings in this past few months post-Trump. And you talk about that a lot in your book, and you give several examples about how if the media wants it to be spotlighted, it will be spotlighted. And if the media wants it to be blocked out, it will be blocked out. Uh, you know, as a journalist and TV host who has a full one-hour primetime show every weekend to speak directly to Americans across the country, how are you fighting to bring back trust within the media? Well, they trust Waters World because we try to tell them the truth and we try to back up all of my opinions with facts. That's something that other shows don't do. A lot of opinions you hear on CNN or MSNBC, they're not fact-based. When I explain something on Waters World or on The Five, I try to put statistics up there or my analysis is always backed up with facts or trends, something you can sink your teeth into. And that's incredibly important. And the way the media manipulates us is not what they cover, but oftentimes what they don't cover. And they have really committed suicide by dragging Joe Biden across the finish line. They were offered a choice during that October surprise when the laptop from hell was released. They could either deny that it existed or they could report on it. But if they reported on it, they risked Joe Biden not winning. And they decided suppression was the move. So they suppressed the laptop. So no one knew about that. And if people had known about that, there's a study that says that Joe Biden would not have been elected president. They suppressed the information about the 33% GDP number that came out on the eve of the election. They suppressed warp speed. People didn't know about that. They didn't know about the Mideast peace deal. If they had known about those things, and there was a study, more people would have voted against Joe Biden in these critical swing states, and that would have been enough of a boost to Donald Trump to make him win the election. So they lied to drag Joe across the finish line. And now you see their their ratings. I think that CNN's lost over 60% of their numbers from November, and that's just an atrocious performance. And there's no way they're ever gonna get that trust back. And you saw all these things come out after the election. The lab leak all of a sudden was real. You saw masks now, their studies is a masks weren't really even that effective. You know, Joe, Donald Trump did not I repeat, did not gas protesters for a photo op. All of a sudden, yeah, there is a problem with the funding police. All of these things that they covered up and lied about during the election have now become true. And they're never going to be able to regain that trust ever again. Absolutely. And you'll never hear that study, you know, broadcast on any other network. So I'm glad you mentioned that here. Uh, but, you know, you describe yourself as a cultural anthropologist who studies liberals for a living. Uh, do you care to elaborate a little bit more on that title and that unique position and your take on how the left is actively trying to destroy America now that they have control in Washington? 
I don't have a degree in cultural anthropology, <laughs> Rylan, but uh, traveling to 48 out of the 50 states for about, I think, seven or eight years, twice a week, I learned about liberals and saw them operate in their natural habitats in San Francisco on nude beaches. And I know it makes them tick. I know what makes them angry. And deep down, they're unhappy people. They're not happy with their lives. Their lives lack meaning. And so in order to compensate for these insecurities, they try to go out and impose their will on other people. And that's what liberalism is. They try to control because deep down they're not satisfied with their own lives. So they have to control other people to make them and their lives feel meaningful. And that's very dangerous because what you see as a result of that is just wanton destruction of everything that makes this country great. They try to destroy success. They try to destroy happy people. You see them attack the founding, every heritage of this country. You try to cancel culture. It's a constant revolution of destruction because they have to be in charge and they have to, if the country's founded on evil and racial inequality, then the country has to be wiped clean and they have to be in charge of rebuild it, rebuilding it. And we can't let that happen because if we let that happen, you're never going to have a country ever again. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we talked about cancel culture a little bit earlier on. Let's talk about it again because Jesse, uh, you know, you talk about this a little bit in your book. And you've seen it. We've all seen a lot of it in the past year as people are being canceled and actively censored for standing up and pushing back for what they believe in. You know, since you wrote a book about, quote, saving the world, how do we go about fixing this global academic of canceling anything and everything that someone says that we disagree with? Very simple. We just need to learn how to say no. And I'm a parent. <laughs> I have twins. They're nine. No is probably the most important word in my vocabulary. If this country and the institutions within the country can just say, no, knock it off, we're not going to change everything because of a, a whiny minority, we're not going to fire someone because someone had their feelings hurt, then the mob is just going to move to a softer spot. The mob's only really looking for soft spots. And when you throw down a hard no, they'll go somewhere else. So we just have to say, no, we're not going to do that. And I think that's going to change a lot of people's minds. Absolutely. Uh, closing out here today, Jesse, you devoted the whole last chapter of your book to the 2020 election. And you really broke down your thoughts in writing, uh, you know, leading up the leading up in the weeks before the election. And then those famous weeks afterwards, we were waiting on the vote counts to come in. You know, what are your thoughts and predictions going into these midterms in 2022? Where Republicans have the chance to take back the House, to take back the Senate. And then again in 2024, where Republicans have the chance to take back the White House. Well, the Republicans are primed for a big wave, and there's only four seats short in the House, and it's dead even in the Senate. So historically, you're going to get a big push, and I expect that. And crime, cancel culture, open borders, critical race theory, gas prices, these are going to be huge drivers for Republican turnout. And the Democrats are going to be scrambling because they're going backwards on COVID. That's the only thing people approve the Democrats of. They're going backwards on COVID. And if they start going backwards on school openings and, and that garbage, moms are going to be pissed. That means then dads are going to be pissed. You don't want pissed parents throughout the country. And I just I don't see right now a positive platform for the Democratic Party. I see them on defense. 
and they're just annoying people. He's hurting the comeback with these $300 bonuses, Joe Biden, and he's pouring illegal immigrants into the country. A lot of them have COVID. So it's about management and they've poorly managed these cities. What you see the crime wave spiking, they've poorly managed the border. They poorly managed schools. And I think it's gonna be a layup for Republicans, but Brylan, Republicans sometimes screw things up. So they just have to stay focused, raise money, recruit good candidates. And I think they should take back both chambers in 2022. Absolutely, it'll be a very interesting race to watch. Um, uh, thank you so much for your time today. I think that's all the time we have left. Jesse Waters, thank you for allowing us to do this and allowing us to promote your book here a little bit. Uh, I can't wait to see this interview maybe appear on one more thing this afternoon or maybe tomorrow. Maybe even a, maybe I can get a segment one day on Waters World. And, you know, if you ever need a guest host, everyone go on vacation with your kids, uh, you, you know how to get a hold of me. Just feel free to reach out. Uh, but Jesse Waters, thank you so much for doing this. It really means a lot. Thank you very much, Brian. I appreciate you having me on. Take care. Absolutely. Hey, everybody, make sure to go buy a copy of How I Saved the World by the one and only Mr. Jesse Waters. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and check out thetruthgazette.com for more. Thank you all.